0: Thank you very much for inviting me to share God's word. And you probably know from, from Alistair how busy we are running around in the sense of distributing the toys and have opportunities to share the love of Christ in a very practical way. But still, when we deliver the toys, we give them a Luke gospel or some relevant literature which will help them to understand what Christmas is all about. It is not only about gifts, it is really about the greatest gift, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I've chosen this Bible reading from Matthew and from Luke, only again to show that we have tangible proof that it's not only a Christmas story, it is a historical account and that Christianity is the only faith in the world true biblical Christianity which have tangible evidence that God is real and that Jesus is who he claims to be no other religious leader is that Mohammed or Buddha or it's for the Sikhs, the guru, were prophesied beforehand. They came out of the blue and said, guys, I start a religion, follow me. But Christianity is different because you can trace it back to the Garden of Eden. When God gave over a time period of 4,000 years prophecies through the prophets that they shared things, which is against all odds, the precise prophecies. And in this sheet, what you have in front of you is when you talk with any family members, which is maybe atheist, agnostic, or in a different religion, you can say, I can prove to you that Jesus is who he claims to be, that he is God in flesh, that he is the fulfillment of the forgiveness of sin. And through this, there's first the topic, then you have the Old Testament scripture, and then you have the New Testament scripture, where you can give the tangible proof, but it's so important that you can show people and say it, that God gave 300 precise prophecies over this 4,000 years, which is against all odds. First, where the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem, that we know from Micah, nearly 500 years earlier. Then God gave in Daniel 9 the exact day when the Messiah will turn up, by Jewish calendar of 360 days, because we follow a pagan calendar of 365 days, Gregorian. <coughs> and that through this, we can see how the jewish people were prepared through all the information the prophets gave when the messiah came that's the reason why a lot of people were open and became believers because the early church was jewish it was only later that gentiles joined and were saved and became part of the people of god because we always read and first that Jesus came to save his people, the Jewish people. And then later, because God wanted to use them to be a blessing for all the nations, what he gave to Abraham, I will make you a blessing to the nations, really, that you all the world will be blessed through you. When we see that many of the Jewish people which believed in the scripture were prepared We know later from the book of Luke that many people knew that now is the time when the Holy Spirit spoke to them because they had a relationship. God was speaking to them, opened the scriptures. And then we can see that the people which came from the east, the kings, knew the exact day. And you would ask yourself, how can they know? Because Daniel was, when they were 70 years in captivity, Daniel was in Babylon, and they came from Babylon. He was part of one of the musicians, which was this group of people which were foretelling or were, by Nebuchadnezzar, used to, uh, to foretelling things. And they were very affected by the accuracy of the prophecies which Daniel gave. When he said, I don't know, but it's a God in heaven who can reveal things, when you read the book of Daniel. When they were the people which were affected by Daniel, because Daniel never went back to Israel, he stayed in Babylon, when the grave is all still there. When that through this, we can see first, when we start to read, that Matthew lay out, because he was writing specifically to the Jewish people the Gospel of Matthew, that he always emphasize it is written in the prophets because they knew the prophets what you don't have so much in in Mark in Luke and in John when the four gospels which we have in our bible were written to four different groups of people Matthew was written to the Jewish people more the Jewish mindset than Mark to the Romans which was looking for power and a strong god Luke was more to the greek which wanted knowledge that's the reason why always he said infallible proofs he gave all the details who was in power that they can investigate and john especially from a heavenly viewpoint for believers that we know who jesus is the son of god because sometimes we need the background information to understand why they emphasize it so strongly and then he said yeah now the birth of jesus was as followed after his mother was betrothed to Joseph, that I means engaged, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. When you put yourself in the situation of Mary, that you be a pregnant, and you know that you had no sexual relationship, but then it is so odd, because it never happened before, and never will happen again. That was an only that she had this, relationship to god so close that god gave her peace and when she later got the information through the angel that she was able to believe it and joseph in the same way when you see how godly he responded because he wanted her not put to public disgrace because that would be later stoning that she wanted to wanted to leave her because he was not sure about this, because you can imagine, huh? when you would be going out with a girl and you have a relationship, friendship, but no sexual relationship, and then all of a sudden she's pregnant, then many questions and doubt comes into your mind. Huh? And that is the reason why she also needed this confirmation, when he needed the confirmation from God, that what is happening is divine from god and because as a good jewish person you knew the scripture they were taught the word of god probably better than we today in the church that they knew the scripture but the problem in this time was that many of the religious leaders, what we have today have nullified the word of god the meaning the tradition nullified the scriptures That the tradition later was more above scripture and that they lost the meaning of the text and then we can see that when they received (coughs) the confirmation that they responded in a godly way and god used them and it's very interesting because god prophesied that the messiah would come from the house of david and we can trace back that's rhythm of the family tree. We can trace back that Mary comes from the house of David and also Joseph, because David had two sons, Nathan and Solomon. Also, through this, we can see that they came together in the right time, in the right place. And that was the reason when they lived in Nazareth, but they went on to Bethlehem because of the census. and and Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So how everything came back, come together, how God beforehand (laughs) gave the information that we can have the assurance. And we as Christians today, we have the benefit that we have the Bible already, that we know that the full counsel of God, the full revelation of God is in the scripture. We don't need anything to add to it. And that is the reason we have easier in this sense, because we can look back on history. And in the same way, when every single prophecy which was given about his first coming was literally fulfilled, then the logical conclusion is that every prophecy about his second coming have to be literally fulfilled. Because many times they're in the same sentence about the first coming and the second coming. And that is the reason why we can have this deep knowing and assurance that he will come again. That he will come back, how the Bible said, to the Mount of Olives, to Jerusalem. That we can know that he will reign later for a thousand years in this world. And that is only tangible proof for you. And then we need to ask ourselves later. Do we really believe what the Bible actually say? Do we believe it in a literal way also when we don't understand it in this moment of time, how it is possible? Like when you see a few generations before, they couldn't believe that Israel can come back to their homeland when they were for 1900 years away from their homeland, scattered all over the world. And we know the worst time period was on the Holocaust. But God said, I will bring them back to the land of Israel, not to other places. And now we can, we live today in the time period, we don't need to believe, we can see it. And then the other prophecies which God gave will come to fruition when you do your own study later in the same way. And then in Luke 10, verse 25, 27, and the rich ruler came, and later the Pharisees, and they said to about what is the greatest commandment. And then Jesus asked them an interesting question in Luke 10 25 to 27. How do you understand it? What is your reading? And that is our problem. How do you understand the scripture? What is your reading? Are you brainwashed in a Bible college or maybe in church? Or do you believe that God means what he says? And says what he means. And that is in all different areas. Is it in the area of evolution for this creation God said he created in six days? Then we take it. Is it in the area that is the Bible said, "One day there would be eternal heaven, eternal hell, there is no isolation. that every person has to be given account for his life? And in the same way, we need to ask ourselves, how do you understand the scripture? what is your reading of it do you take it in a literal way that god means what he says and says what he means then you will never shipwreck your faith because god will not deceive you god is straight to the point in in the scripture when you read it in a context and well, then the bible said in isaiah 46 9 to 11 that He is a god of the prophecy I am the only God who knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And there is no God beside me. That means that when you would find any other religious book which has history written beforehand, the Bible would never be true again. Because God put his integrity on it. And you can investigate any religious writing in the world or any secular writing in the world. There is no written history beforehand, what we call prophecy. They have so-called prophecy, but it's twisted, very shallow. It's not very clear. It's not like in the Bible when God said, yes, a virgin will receive a child in Isaiah. Or the Bible said he will be born in Bethlehem. They will pierce my hand and my feet in the Psalms. Although through this, is very clear, God knows the future. And that is the reason why he can give to his prophets the knowledge beforehand. And most of the prophets were persecuted. And it's very interesting. They were persecuted by the religious leader of Israel. But their books later went into the Bible. That is not the amazing thing, because other religions normally The religious leader who have written things down is a hero of the story and is a hero of what he said people have written down straight away. But in Christianity, in the Old Testament with the Jewish people, when the prophets came, they, like Jeremiah, he was persecuted by the religious leader only later when it was fulfilled, some of his prophecies which he gave, Later, his book came into the canon of Scripture that shows how God was behind him. What he says was really from God. And that is the reason why we need to be very careful when we criticize the Bible. When we think God is not involved in everyday life. Because the Bible makes it very clear that all the Scripture all the prophecies is pointing to christ alone and that is what jesus said in john 5 39 that the scripture point to christ you study the scripture you search the scriptures to find eternal life and they testify about me everything in the bible every book in the bible is only pointing to jesus christ and that is the reason why we can trust this word And Jesus Christ said that in Him alone is eternal life. And that is a very big challenge for us because we live today in a society where we say, You have your faith, I have my faith. There's no absolute truth. And Christianity says that is an absolute truth. That's the reason when we preach, Alistair or I, we're preaching on the street. We always focus and say, The Bible said, It's not our opinion. It's not our that we have thought about it and said, oh, that's a good idea to pass on this information. The Bible clearly says, salvation is found in no one else. And there's no other name given unto heaven in which men shall be saved. And Jesus was very clear that I am the way, the true and the life. No one comes to the father except through him. and he claimed to be God, because many times when you don't talk with Muslims or with your witness or Christadelphians, said, oh, Jesus never said to be God. He said only that he is the Son of God, that he is God's Son. But Jesus claimed clearly that he was God. When we really read in John 10 verse 30, he said, I am and the Father are one. In 14 verse 9, Philip came. Show us the father that is enough and Jesus said when you have seen me you have seen the father What Jesus said. Well, then later in Romans 9 verse 5 we we'll read that all the promises all the tradition everything came from God Who is The blessed one I need to clearly read the scripture in Romans 9 verse 5 Because that will really speak to you that jesus christ is god in flesh what is the biggest attack today on christianity of whom are the fathers and from whom according to the flesh christ came who is over all the eternal blessed god amen jesus is god in flesh because in the moment you don't believe jesus is god he can't pay the penalty for your sin but the bible said also he is man that God was manifested in Jesus Christ. That's the reason why many times it's used son of God or son of man, whether one, one side is emphasized his Godhood and sometimes it's emphasized that he was a man, became like a man. He laid aside his privilege to exercise it, but never ceased to be God. And that's very important. And then Jesus always point out, also in 1 John 5 verse 13, is also a very important scripture to show people that the bible claims that jesus christ is god in flesh these things i have written to you who believe in the name of the son of god that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of god and a little bit further down in verse 20 and we know that the son of god has come and has given us understanding that we that we may know who is true and we are in him who is true in his son jesus christ this is a true god in eternal life although this first make very crystal clear that jesus claimed to be god that he is god what are the scriptures and then the question for us today is how is our walk when we really believe that jesus is god that he died for our sin how much is he really part of our everyday life and one great quote i read and that is called if jesus christ be god and died for me then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him i read it again If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Is that really our attitude in everyday life? Like we heard this morning about the persecuted church. And probably today the worst church which is persecuted is in Afghanistan. And the reason is also because the Americans pulled out and Joe Biden gave a list of names to the Taliban's who work with the Americans together, Afghan people, and a list of Christian missionaries in the country when the Taliban go around and kill them all. Although there is, when you really see how much evil is in the world, Abadi, but the church is growing in Afghanistan that they say, when, it, when we give our life to the Lord, because they have this divine revelation that Jesus is who he claims to be. They have the divine revelation that this life is only maybe 70, 80 years, but there is eternity. When they're in two destinations. When they have the strength and the joy to be a witness for Christ. But we have as Christians the responsibility to pray for them to stand in the gap that God divinely gives divine protection, divinely strengthen them, that they can really say, not my, but your will be done. And I think that is also our prayer, because we see in this country and in Europe in general that the gray is disappearing, it becomes more black and white, where more and more people have nothing to do with Christianity where Christians are more and more marginalized in society. And we see it all the way, they don't want to use the word Christmas or none, then whatever, new season, or whatever they use for the word instead, because they don't want the word Christ. And that is what the Bible said, that anyone who wants to live a godly life will suffer persecution in different ways. We don't look for it, but we need to be ready like what Shemini said, that when our life is reflecting the Lord Jesus, when we really can say, not I, but Christ live in me, and the life where I live now, I live for the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself. When that is the situation, when persecution comes, we make the right choices, because the Holy Spirit will give us the strength, give us the joy, Give us a desire to be a witness for Jesus, and when we go down to Luke twenty four, how Jesus was rebuking, <coughs> rebuking the disciples, because he was saying to them, how slow. He said yeah, here. Then he said to them, "Oh foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets." What they have spoken he rebuked them and said you know from scripture you know that the scripture said that the messiah will come that the messiah will be god that's from the christmas story unto us a child is born unto us a son is given his name is mighty god eternal father we know that he they knew that he was god and many responded Because in this time period, the early church was Jewish, and many which loved the Lord, which knew the scripture, received from the Holy Spirit clearly the divine revelation that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And we know that later on the day of Pentecost. And then Jesus, when he went alongside on the Emma's road, the disciples, and the Bible, Satan, but their eyes were restrained, though they did not know him, Then he asked them questions. And it's good when you read the text again, how would you, and put yourself in the situation, how would you feel when you lived in this time in Jerusalem, saw what Jesus did? Then you saw that they crucified him. And now suddenly you were sad. What is now the next step? We think he came because they had a different expectation that he comes as a mighty warrior to deliver them from the Romans. But when they read the scripture, the Bible said, first he will come as a humble servant, or the donkey, that he will come, die for the sin of the world, and pay the penalty. Although everything was laid out, and that is what you have here on, in these prophecies, which you can use, and talk with your friend, and speak with him about it. And then he was saying in verse 7, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day he will rise up from the death. And that is the reason why we need to go back to the scripture, what the Bible said. And then Jesus said, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptural things concerning himself. What a Bible study, huh? I would like to be there, hmm? What a Bible study Jesus was probably doing with them going through scripture. And I mean, sometimes you have these moments where you really, the glory of God comes into the room. When you do maybe for yourself the study and goes through the scriptures and see what all the prophecies. But now when it's through them again, through all the prophecies which were given was pointing to Jesus. And then of might the Holy Spirit give you such a deep revelation. And such a joy in your heart, and then the Bible goes a little bit further down in verse 31. Then their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And well, now, what they say is, and they say to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened to us the scripture? And I think we need sometimes more pray and ask, Holy Spirit. Can you open the scripture? We want to see Jesus. Because we know from John 16 that the work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. Not himself. To glorify Jesus. And to warn the world of judgment, of righteousness, and of sin. And when we have this encounter with him, then our heart will burn. We long to see him, we long to hear his words. And then he said in verse 34, then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Although he always pointed to the scripture, not of one side jesus have not only pointed to himself what he did but he pointed always more and said you have a tangible proof that the scripture are true and they speak about me and that is the reason why he was later able to say in john 5 verse 39 that is the first you need to memorize that need to be in your heart where he said you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify about me because that is the main first which jesus said when you really believe the scripture you will believe me when that is really what jesus want when then the in psalm 16 verse 2 and 3 what really came after the last few weeks when i went get through the psalms and praise with them this one psalm is saying my goodness is nothing apart from you. My goodness is nothing apart from you. And when we come into this place and say, my goodness, whatever we do, is nothing apart from Jesus Christ. You see, we can give, we know later from 1 Corinthians 13, we know where he said, you can give up all your money, you can do all these great things. But when you don't have love, and is referring to the person of Jesus, that he is love, godly love, you are nothing. Apart from Christ, we are nothing. Where the Bible said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We have different degrees of sins. Some people are very... Uh, moral people, very great and nice people, like my family, they're all Roman Catholics. They they're lovely people, they're really nice, but there's a lot of self-righteousness. Until we bow our knees to Jesus Christ, we do it in the flesh. We do it for ourselves to have a good feeling that we have done something. But the Bible said apart from christ my goodness is nothing And we need to understand i realized i became a christian when i was 23 years old and i because i came not from a biblical background that was a completely transformation because i never read the bible never really knew go to church as a joy to go to church it was more a burden because you had to go I didn't have a relationship with Christ. But when I became born again, then I wanted to go to church to meet people, to worship God, to praise Him, and to learn more about His Word. And then, our purpose in life is really laid out probably the best verse in the whole Bible, what I find for me. Our purposes in life is laid out in John 6, verse 28 and 29. Then they say to Him, so the Jewish people came to Jesus and said to him, What shall we do that we may work the work of God? And then Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That means although that you believe in me. That is really what Jesus was saying. It's not doing charity work. It's not be doing all the good things which are good in themselves. But he said, the first thing what you have to do is to believe in me. And that is the reason why we have to put the priorities right in our life. Because one day we will stand when the Lord is taking us home. We stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And we need to give an account for our life. But then later, the Bible said very clearly yet our destiny depend how we responded to jesus christ here on earth there's no second chance after we're dead because jesus and i re- finished now with the furthest to read in john 3 which speaks for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but at everlasting life and then he said for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he who believes in him that means in jesus is not condemned but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god and this is a condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does it true comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. When our good deeds have to be done in God, the order need to be right. That's the reason why the Bible says, faith without deeds is dead. When I'm truly claimed to be a born-again Christian, or know Christ as my Lord and Savior, then the outworking is good deeds. Good deeds will never save me. Because the Bible said we are saved by grace, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God that no one boasts himself. But later, when I claim to be a born-again Christian, that God has changed my life, does a transformation, then the outworking of my lifestyle show that I truly be transformed and changed. That is the most important thing. And religion would always say that my works is the way of salvation. And then I believe in Jesus. It's the other way around. I have first to believe and I accept I can't do anything to earn my salvation. It is already done. <coughs> when Jesus said, it is done on the cross. But after I'm born again, I will do good works because uh, I have a different attitude to life. The work of the Holy Spirit changed my outlook on life. That I do things because I love God and love the people. That's the reason why the Bible said, Love God with all your heart, with all your mind and your soul, and then love your neighbour as yourself. And I can only love my neighbour as myself after God have changed my heart and set me free from the bondage of sin. And I encourage you, it's over this Christmas side, really to search your own heart. Are you truly born again? Do you really know that nothing will separate you from the love of God? Are you really convicted that this is a tangible proof that Jesus Christ is who he claims to be? And when that is true, then you don't need to live in fear. You don't need to live in anxiety because the Bible said nothing can separate us from the love of God. He said, I will never leave you and forsake you. And do your own study. Go through it. You can go to the Old Testament scripture. Then you know when they were written historically. And then you can see how they were fulfilled in history. Because you can look back you can look back and find out is it true, really true? That is all that God put on my heart. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the tangible proof you gave us. Of all the prophecies about your first coming and father we thank you that he fulfilled every single prophecy in a literal way father we thank you that you gave us through this the confidence that in the same way all the prophecies concerning your second coming will be fulfilled literally and father we thank you that you promised when we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We want to give you all the glory and honor and worship you as our God, because there's no God besides you. Amen.